It is Thursday, August 11th here in Draft Shark Studios in Rochester, New York. Welcome to the 13th installment of our Team Insider Series. I'm your host, Matt Schaff. With me, as always, is Jared Smola. And joining us now is the Rams beat writer for the SoCal News Group. He is co-host of the Compass on the Beat podcast. Follow him on Twitter at GMonsano24. He is Gilbert Monsano. Thanks very much for joining us today. No problem. And, and now I, I, I'm glad I came on the show because you pronounced my last name perfectly and you said compas perfectly. Uh, you got it all. Perfect intro. And thank you for pronouncing it properly. Hey, my pleasure. I actually was at a bilingual elementary school up until seventh grade. So I, they got me early and before I could get all Americanized. So I, I I've, it's been something I try to keep going. What's well, paying off right now. I, I love the skills, man. <laughs> Gracias. Uh, so this is, of course, the first team that we've had a second insider on for, but I think it's a good one to double up on because there's a lot going on with the Rams and it's an offense that gave us a lot of points, both on the field and in fantasy last year. So there are some things that we want to make sure that we're sorting out. First off, do you know anything more about Matthew Stafford's right elbow than what we all know that's been public so far? Yeah, no, first of all, sorry about the switch. I know we're supposed to do a charger show and then I went over (laughs) to the Rams uh, so thank you for doubling up on the Rams. Uh, and yeah, plenty to talk about, uh, you know, especially for me being new on, on, the, on the job for two and a half weeks or maybe three weeks and a whole lot about Matthew Stafford's elbow, uh, what kind of pain it is. You know, you know, I, we feel like we're, we're supposed to be like doctors and, 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 and hey, what's going on with the elbow here? This story just took a weird turn. You know, maybe I should just start off by saying this. Matthew Stafford looks fine to me. Again, not a doctor, but I, I've seen quarterbacks play. You guys have too. Uh, he looks fine. He looks great. Like he looks like Matthew Stafford, but it was just a weird kind of saga and layers to the story where it, it could have been a non-story veteran quarterback, 14 years in the NFL, 34 years old, coming off a long Super Bowl season, takes a couple of days off. That would have been it. Uh, but Sean McVay kind of, you know, took it a step further. It started, it started off with the rapture report with the bad tendonitis. And, and, and we started thinking like, Hey, we actually never got a name for his injury. And we started digging deeper with Sean McVay. And then he started saying, you know what? Actually, I don't even know what to tell you guys because I don't even know what we're dealing with here. <laughs> this is abnormal. I've never dealt with it as a head coach. This is only an injury for baseball players or, or pitchers. Uh, and that just made it become a crazier story, more headlines. And and Matthew Stafford was pretty annoyed about the questions. Uh, the, the first seven questions he got in his presser were about the elbow. And he was agitated every single time. Irritated about talking about the irritated elbow. So... That made headlines on its own, uh, but again, like I started, and and the and the thing that 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 stood out was there was a two week plan in place to limit uh, his workload, no more team drills, and to end training camp. Matthew Stafford was, you know, he kind of said, "Forget that plan. Throw me in team drills." He's throwing passes to uh, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cub, uh, Tyler Higby. So I guess maybe two weeks or w- one week and a half was enough. But uh, if, if you're trying to draft Stafford, uh, I think you should be okay for now. Good to hear. How about the backfield? I think that might be, you know, I guess now the second biggest question with the Rams out beyond Stafford. But, um, you know, how, how does Cam Akers look coming off his Achilles injury? And then, you know, how have reps been divvied in practice between Akers and Daryl Henderson so far? Yeah, for fantasy football, that is the biggest question. And I'm, I'm actually surprised a lot of people are very concerned about the committee, mate, because I'm new on the Rams beat and, and the way Sean McVay operates. But 
Uh, if I'm just going off what I'm seeing on the field and who's the better player, it's definitely Cam Akers. Uh, now, in the terms of the reps, it, it was a, it was a weird start because they did split a, a, a carries Daryl Henderson and Cam Akers, but it was very limited. Like uh, the first week of padded practices, they each got maybe three carries per practice, and you couldn't really see who's doing what, who was leading, or, or what was going on because. I think it was just precaution because, like you mentioned, Cam Akers coming off the the Achilles injury. Uh, Daryl Henderson has had has had injuries throughout his career, uh, so they wanted to be cautious and kind of wrap him up and increase the workload. Uh, and I asked Sean McVay, and I think this quote took off when he when he answered. I said, "How's it been balancing out the rotation now that that we're in pads and you have these two running backs here?" And he said that he views both as starting caliber running backs, and that thing that created some alarms for fantasy football. Uh, so I started kind of keeping a close eye on that. And then as the final week came for training camp and the workload increased, without a doubt, Cam Akers did the most with opportunities. You know, he went through running lanes with, you know, with you know power and speed when he got in space. He can't you can't really do too much as a running back. So uh, when he got into, you know, the, the second kind of, you know, level, he did some moves and, and that was good to see for him. Uh, he was very involved in the passing game. Now, Daryl Henderson's kind of a bigger running back. You show more when you're you're physical and aggressive. You can't do that too much in training camp, so that could be a reason why I haven't seen him kind of pop or flash. Uh, but it doesn't help that Henderson wasn't out there for the, the final two practices. Uh, we haven't got around to asking Sean McVay what's going on with Henderson. So if he's playing catch-up, you know, with something. And then you have uh, Kyron Williams, a rookie, coming back from a foot injury. Uh, now, it's, now you're playing catch-up, and Cam Akers is in the lead, I think, right now. Uh, but maybe knowing Sean McVay, he would try to give Henderson some reps there. But I still think when it comes to making the most out of your opportunities, it will definitely be Cam Akers. So my takeaway, though, is that you're the one we should come after with the torches for drawing the <laughs> out of Sean McVay. Maybe it's a rookie mistake <laughs> on the beat with, when it comes to running backs. But I'm just going off what I'm seeing, and he's he looks fine. And, you know, he, he looks like – not, not looks, but – he sounds like a determined running back. He's so annoyed about the Achilles injury. He's like, stop asking me. And and I don't know if people forgot, but a year ago, there was a lot of hype on Cam Akers, and then he got hurt. I think yep. he's trying to go back to that, and I think Sean McVay trusts him to be a lead back. And and, and I know we're years removed from the Todd Gurley days, and he won't he won't be you know that, that kind of thing. Yeah. But I think he has Sean McVay's trust. And the other day, one thing that stood out to me, I wrote this in my story uh, in the Orange County Register, uh, when he was pressed about the contract, uh, this became an, a kind of a backstory. But he ripped the offense for sloppy play, and, and he he didn't just say for one day. It was like, hey, we got to get better because this training camp was very sloppy for the offense. But I love the running game, and and the <laughs> running game the, the last week has been Cam Akers. He's been standing out, so I think he likes what he, what he's seeing from Cam Akers. And Daryl Henderson has not been on the field the last couple of days, so. Uh, that kind of tells you something. He is uh, maybe in his head. Cam Akers is in the lead. I think I might be back in on Cam Akers now. I've been vacillating all offseason, in and out on Cam Akers. Um, do, do we know, is he going to play in the first preseason game, Akers? I, I doubt it. Uh, it's it's going to be a lot of Jake Funk, uh, yeah. the second year running back, because uh, Kyron's still not ready to go. Henderson, again, I don't, we don't know just yet what's going on with him. Uh, and, the, and I'm pretty sure you won't see Cam Akers. Yeah. So that leads to Jake Funk who has gotten a couple of shout-outs from, from Sean McVay. So he might be kind of a, a, a preseason darling uh, for this year. There you go. Yeah. Preseason DFS, Jake Funk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you're that, that crazy to uh, draft him for preseason, uh, go go ahead and do that. Some some folks do. 
Wow, I didn't even know it was a thing. Okay, now, <laughs> now I know. <laughs> so uh, the wide receiver core, I think it's pretty obvious. Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, the top two guys. Van Jefferson will be the third guy when he's recovered from the knee surgery. If he's not ready for the start of the season, who do you think will step into, into Jefferson's spot? Yeah, my one of my rookie mistakes as a beat reporter on the Rams was thinking that there's a competition for wide receiver three. It was definitely Van Jefferson. Uh, the the co- the coaches, the team, love him. Uh, and I, I kind of was thinking maybe it would be competition because of the second round pick on two two out Well, like you got to give this guy a crack or a chance eventually. But it was not that. Uh, so yeah, it, I, I I saw Van Jefferson walking around uh, and, uh, the last couple of days of practice. Maybe he's getting close, and maybe you know Sean McVay was 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 right when he said uh, so. It's a minor surgery. I always find that funny when I say minor surgery. <laughs> and, yeah. and maybe he'll be back soon. I don't know. But if he's not, I'm going to go and take a chance on, on Tutu Edwell because he's been impressive. And I, I felt like he was maybe a little bit in the doghouse with Sean McVay because out of nowhere, when Van Jefferson got hurt, they started designing plays for his skill set. I'm like, why didn't you do that before? Uh, <laughs> I guess they didn't feel the need to do that with him because you have Allen Robinson, Cooper Cub, Tyler Higby, Van Jefferson. But now with the opportunities created, they emphasize that stretch the field speed kind of thing. And he made the most of his opportunities. I know a lot of the, the, the deep bombs didn't come from Stafford because he's been having the reduced workload. But John Wolford and Bryce Perkins, I think it says something where just they're throwing up prayers and they're mm-hmm. trusting enough that Tutu was going to come down with it. And the thing that's impressed me the most with Tutu is he's getting down the field. They're creating time for him to get down the field. But when those jump balls are going and he's like, they say five foot nine, I think he's more like five foot seven <laughs> and he's coming down with it and he's fighting for balls and he's showing toughness and he's jumping over two DBs. That shows me a lot. Okay. Now you have reliable hands. You're tough and you're going to make it work with the speed. You can't just be a, a stretch the field guy, run down the field, you know, get a couple steps. And then when the ball or, or maybe it's underthrown or something happens, you can't do anything with it. So that to me was a, was a big step. And I, I, I spoke to Bryce Perkins cause he's going to be the starting quarterback uh for the preseason opener saturday night he was raving about tutu he loves tutu and he's the one just saying f it tutu's down there and he, <laughs> he loves to do that uh so but again sean McVay, he likes to take his time his time with, with the unproven guys and he said yeah it's, it's cool it's nice i like what tutu's doing but show me something so tutu will play in the preseason and, and if he's doing something in these games then maybe you know take a chance on him for for the regular season I know you've said that you're still new to this beat, so you haven't. This is your your first camp watching how everybody works on offense. But does it look like there has been any change to Tyler Higby's role versus what he was last season, and or is there anybody that might threaten him for playing time at tight end? Yeah, that is something I, I kept a close eye on because there was a lot of talk about what Kendall Blanton and, and Bryson Hopkins did when he was hurt in the playoff games and. They, they all tell me about this, this this urban legend, it sounds like. I know it just happened in February about what, what uh, Bryson Hopkins did to fill in and fill it in for Kendall Blanton and, and Tyler Higby. And, and you know, it sounds like, you know, Hopkins is the more of the pass-catching tight end and Kendall Blanton is the inline tight end, the blocking. So I got that figured out. But they're trying to incorporate and get them involved more because they are showing more of a full skill set. Uh, Kendall's been working on the passing game. Bryson's been working on the blocking. Uh, and they're 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 very uh, intriguing, promising prospects for the Rams. But the tough thing is like they play a lot of eleven personnel, Allen Robinson, Cooper Cup. Like I mentioned the names, uh, and Higby has already has a trust with the coaching staff. And so I wanted to see if Higby is maybe in danger or losing any snaps and trying to get these guys involved. 
And I don't think that's the case. Higby looks like Higby. He's been doing well. I think it was a couple of years ago he had that kind of breakout season, I think, with Jared Goff. Uh, he's become not a reliable target for Matthew Stafford. Uh, they were on the same page quickly. And, and when anytime I was trying to keep track of whenever the first team guys, the first team guys were out there and Tyler Higby was not, he was always on the field. So uh, Higby is a starter. Uh, but I did speak to the tight ends coach, Thomas Brown. I'm like, are you guys going to try to get these guys involved? He said, yeah, Higby's a veteran. He'll get a breather. They'll get spots there. And they're going to try to play more 12, 13 personnel to get them involved. So I still think it's Tyler Higsby's show. Uh, Stafford likes him. He is proven. He's a veteran. But there's these, these two guys who are very intriguing. And, and especially with the Van Jefferson injury, maybe it makes him a little more tight end. So I wouldn't kind of, you know, get the stock just yet on the, on the young, young tight ends. But definitely it's been Higsby's show. And as you guys know, it's tough to get tight ends in, in, in fantasy football. So you want Higby? <laughs> I think he's okay for now. Yeah, I think it's especially notable that you haven't seen his reps fall off coming off that knee injury. So there, if anything, there would be reason to ease up on him a little bit in these practices, but it doesn't sound like that's been the case. Yeah, no, the injury, I, 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 I honestly forgot that he was coming off an injury. Like, you keep you keep track on acres and other players coming off injury, and, and, and Higby has not lost a step. Uh, and with Stafford missing these team drills, Stafford comes back for that one practice, and he's immediately throwing to Higby. So there's a connection there. There's chemistry. Uh, he's diving for plays. So, so far the injury looks fine. I guess, I guess there's no injury uh, to kind of notice uh, at this point. How about, how about Jacob Harris? Any flashes from him? You know, he was an intriguing fantasy guy because he's a, an athlete. I, are they using him at wide receiver too, in addition to tight end? What, what kind yeah. of role is he playing? He is somebody I've been learning a lot about. Uh, yeah, going from tight end to wide receiver because of the guys I mentioned. There's a logjam at tight end and they want to use his skill set. He's a big body and, and I think he has skills as a wide receiver. The thing with Jacob Harris, though, is uh, when opportunities came with Van Jefferson being down, you know, it was 2-2, Ben Skoranek, and then Jacob Harris. But then he went down with a groin injury. So he hasn't practiced in, in a, about a week and a half, and he hasn't really shown much. You know, at least when I'm looking out there, uh, I, I see the size, the potential, uh, the, the, you know, being a raw prospect. But I, he didn't get enough reps for me to kind of make a decision on how he's looking. So they're, they are intrigued. They want to find a spot for him. But he's playing catch up, and there's so many other wide receivers already ahead of him that I, I don't know how that project is going to turn out for this year, at least. How about the Rams' offensive line? They lost a couple of starters from last year: Andrew Whitworth, Austin Corbett. How's that unit shaking out so far? Do you know, is there any level of concern for you know how they're going to fare without those two starters? Yeah, it's always tough to kind of figure out who's doing well at the, at the line of scrimmage because you can't sack quarterbacks or touch them, and you know, same for edge rushers and or D linemen and offensive linemen, but. It's been pretty sturdy, I, I think so. I think there's been enough time for obviously you could tell when there's a guy in, in the vicinity, so you kind of like count that one. Okay, that's a sack. Uh, but you know, I think Stafford's had time, and it's been the for sure a five unit. There was supposed to be a battle at right guard, but Coleman Shelton has taken that job. Uh, I think McVay just trusts him for the experience, and he'll he's also versatile. He he knows how to play center too. So Joe Noboom taking over a left tackle for Andrew Whitward. It's just crazy to me how they just had a left tackle who's very good just waiting in the wings for Whitworth to retire. So they, they did something right there. He, he's okay. Uh, you got uh, David Edwards at left guard, Brian Allen at center, uh, Coleman Shelton at right guard, and then right tackle Rob Havenstein. Uh, so those are the five. But they did draft Logan Bruss, the, the, the rookie out of Wisconsin, in the, in the third round. The only time he's on the field with the first team is when Coleman is giving Brand Allen a, a, a breather at center. So he'll take a right guard and then uh, Coleman shifts to the center. So I think they're being patient with Logan Bruss. 
he's getting some value reps against Aaron Donald, which uh, if you're a rookie, it doesn't get any tougher than that. But I think for the most part, you know, I, I think people stop talking about the offensive line because it seems like it's fine right now. I know games haven't started, but to find a reliable five that quickly and to not rush the rookie too, I, I felt like when I first came into the beat, everybody was kind of assuming that it's going to be Logan Bruss as a right guard. And I'm like, that's a lot of pressure for a third round pick to just to be, you know, anointed the, the, the starter. But Coleman Shelton just took over, veteran, steady, reliable, versatile. So I think the starting five here for the offensive line should be okay come come the season. I think that's probably what we want to hear, right, Jared, is that I haven't noticed the offensive line because it hasn't yes. been that big an issue. That's like the opposite <laughs> exactly. of what they're saying in 49ers camp. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it definitely helps because like, uh, if the offensive line is falling apart, then everything else doesn't matter. Yeah, that's when people notice them is when things are going wrong. If everything's going right, it's like, well, that, that's what they're supposed to do. Isn't that just like a human fence? Um, <laughs> yeah. On defense, the first unofficial depth chart lists Nick Scott as one of the starting safeties and then says Taylor Rapp or Jordan Fuller as the other starter. Should we actually expect Nick Scott and one of those guys to be the top two? Or is this one of those instances where you say, well, let's go ahead and ignore that first depth chart? I always ignore the the unofficial <laughs> depth charts from the team because I honestly don't know how they do it, but it just doesn't make sense. But I think those threes will be heavily involved. They do play a lot of dime, and I noticed that Taylor Rapp is a, is a dimebacker. He's playing close to the line of scrimmage, and I, and I think Nick Scott and Jordan Fuller kind of just trade of being the center fielder and, and protecting the back end of the field. So I think Nick Scott will be heavily involved. I think he did some good things in, in, in the postseason. Uh, he's, he's been up and down. He's been shaky from last year, but he's, he's at his moments in, in training camp where he's breaking up passes, getting interceptions. But it's definitely when it comes to, you're going to talk about two safeties, it's definitely a Taylor Rapp, Jordan Fuller. Uh, but those two guys I just mentioned have had some injuries. So mm-hmm. they can, they're going to rely on Nick Scott, but uh, for them to have three safeties who they view as starters, it, it's big for them. And, and to have depth, especially when you're playing in, in the pass-friendly NFL, you got to have safety. So I don't know how much Nick Scott is going to be on the field, but I do see a lot of dime out there. And if, if it's going to be 60 beats, he's going to be on the field, definitely. As long as it was just an intern doing the depth chart, that's all I was <laughs> to find out. Before we let you go, I know you were recently on the Chargers beat, so I have to ask you, I put yeah. down a modest bet on the Chargers to win this Super Bowl shortly after the last one. I don't, I don't, I'm not asking you to predict the winner, especially now that you're covering another team in the same city, but was it crazy for me to bet on the Chargers as a Super Bowl champ? It's not crazy, but it feels like everybody does that as a, <laughs> a just in, like a sleeper kind of ticket, just in case they do something. It happens every year, and maybe I'm saying bad things while I'm leaving, but the Chargers <laughs> always seem to kind of mess it up when when they have a nice stacked roster. And before I even start listing the guys from this year, like they've had Keenan Allen, they have Joy, they've had Joy Bosa, Austin Eckler, Mike Williams, uh, Derwin James, and. Justin Herbert Phillips before that. So they've always had talent, but it's just tough for them to put it together to win one score games, not, not lose it on, on, on a field goal, not have injuries. It's just something about this team that needs to get over the hump. And I'm not just talking crazy here. Brandon Staley, the Chargers head coach last year said, you know what? There might be a curse here. There might be an injury <laughs> issue here. Let me attack this because nothing has worked for this franchise. And I love that. He's not ignoring that. He's like, I don't want to talk about that. So, <laughs> I like the culture that Brandon Staley uh, has started a year ago. I was there for the 2022 offseason. I like what he's building off of getting Khalil Mack, uh, J.C. Jackson, uh, Sebastian Joseph Day, uh, Gerald Everett at tight end. So 
they took what they started and they should have made the playoff last year. Justin Herbert w- was lights out. He was a, a top three MVP candidate in my book. Uh, and they didn't, it couldn't do it. So all they could do is build off of that. And I just don't know if they're going to, they could put it together quickly to be a Super Bowl contender. But I think they'll get in the tournament. And that's how you can ask when you're putting money on, on a team uh, to have a chance. And again, I love Justin Herbert. I'm going to miss watching him play. Uh, so when he has so much talent around him, eventually you would think they're going to pick it up together and, and, and at least compete for a playoff spot. Has Brandon Staley tried having them all wear crosses underneath their uniform on game days? <laughs> I don't know, but uh, I've seen some of these uh, backstage interview, and he's really attacking it. So maybe they're, they're going to try something. I don't know if he's into kind of stuff like that, uh, <laughs> but he's definitely taking a, an interest. Like One thing I like about him, I was like, hey, Brandon, I don't know how to tell you this, but special teams has been terrible for the last <laughs> 10 years with the Chargers. He's like, you don't, you don't have to tell me. I know. And I'm trying to fix it here. So he's any, anything that's before his tenure that's been terrible, uh, like injuries, one score losses, special teams. He's attacking that. So that's good to see. I know Brandon Staley takes a lot of uh, slack for for the fourth downs. I love the fourth downs. I love going for it. You have Justin yeah. freaking Herbert. Just go for it. But the old school kind of people don't do not like that. He's kind of shaking up the NFL world. But Hopefully they do well. They are stacked. That was definitely by far the most stacked team. Uh, I've, you know, from covering the Chargers in the last four years, they have everything ready. Besides right tackle, I'm going to keep saying that right tackle has been an issue for for them. Uh, when it's Trey Pipkins and Storm Norton as your two options, it's not good. And last year it came down to one game, and Max Crosby ate up the right tackle. So if it comes out to one game, hopefully uh, those two guys figure it out. We certainly like the new age Brandon Staley around here, and he seems like a smart coach who is on top of everything. So I I feel good about that modest bet, and we'll see where those Chargers go and how much they help us in fantasy. He is the Rams beat writer, though, for the SoCal News Group. He is co-host of the Compass on the Beat podcast and at GMonsano24 on Twitter. Gilbert Monsano, thanks again for joining us today and lending your insights. Thank you, guys. That That was a lot of fun. I appreciate the time. You can find every episode of the Team Insider Series and the rest of our podcasts on the DraftSharks YouTube channel, on Spotify, on Apple, or wherever you get your podcasts. And of course, on DraftSharks.com. You got to visit DS if you want to become a DS Insider. Take advantage of the projections, the rankings, the myriad draft tools that are all constantly updated to account for these things that we're learning, we're reading, we're seeing this time of year. For our guest again, Gilbert Manzano. For Jared Smola and the rest of the Draft Sharks crew, I'm Matt Shao saying thanks so much for swimming with us.